if you brought your Bibles this morning, turn with me to the book of Galatians. Galatians chapter 1, begin, I'm going to begin at verse 1. Galatians chapter 1, beginning at verse 1. I'm, I'll give you just a moment, not very long to find it, and then we'll read the first five verses and we'll go to the Lord together in prayer. Um, I don't know how long... Um, how many different sermons is what I mean by how long the Lord will have me preach out of the book of Galatians, but I've got several thoughts and a lot more than what I can uh, share with you just this morning. And so anyways, uh, you just pray. Try to kind of remember uh, some of the things that we talk about here this morning because uh, I think it will kind of play into things later. Uh, Galatians chapter 1, beginning at verse 1, says, Paul, an apostle, not of men, neither by man, but by Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead. And all the brethren which are with me unto the churches of Galatia, grace be to you and peace from God the Father and from our Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins that he might deliver us from this present evil world according to the will of God and our Father, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we just humbly come before you one more time this morning, thanking you, Lord, for the good day and for the many blessings. Thanking you, Lord, <clears throat> for the opportunity you've given us to gather here this morning to worship you in spirit and truth, Lord. We thank you for each one that you've sent our way. Uh, Lord, I just pray as we go forward here this morning in this service, Lord, that your will would be done here in our midst. God, we, in, we just continue to invite your presence in. Lord, our desires for you to move amongst us and move upon the hearts of each of us by your sweet Holy Spirit here this morning. And Lord, I, my prayer this morning is, is if there is anything here, anything in any of our hearts, in any of our lives, in any of our minds that separates us from you, that is hindering our walk with you, that is coming between us and preventing us from having the relationship with you like that we should. If there's any here who are lost and undone who, who don't have a relationship with any, any that never have, if there's any that are backslidden, any that have fallen away, any that are just not where they know they ought to be, oh God, let today be the day that they would repent and they'd turn back to you before it's everlasting too late. Let today be the day that they accept you. Let today be the day that they put their faith in you. Let today be the day of salvation. Lord, my heart's desire is for your will to be done, for you to be glorified, for your word to go forward, and for us to be the people you've called us to be. So God, have your way and your will, and we'll give you all the glory. And Lord, I need your help here this morning. I need strength. I need air. I need you to clear my thoughts, clear my mind of everything. I don't want anything there but your message, your thoughts, your words. Place on my tongue the very things that you'd have me to say here this morning, Lord. Let it just roll right off, Lord God. Lord, my heart's desire is to preach your message, Lord. That it be from you through my spirit to theirs. Lord, I'm asking for your anointing, for your holy unction. 
I'm asking that you'd preach me here this morning, and I'll be sure and give you every bit of the glory for it. Have your way and your will here. We love you. We worship you. We praise your holy name. I ask it all in the precious and holy name of Jesus. Amen. Book of Galatians. Um, let me just start this away. The basic message of Galatians, I think, could probably be summed up in three sentences. I really do. As a matter of fact, I've done my best um, to, to do just that. Uh, I wrote them down and I brought them. Let me read it to you. I tried to sum up the book of Galatians in three sentences. Let me read it to you. Paul had heard that the Galatian Christians were in danger of falling away from the true gospel of grace by turning to a legalistic approach to salvation in the Christian life. His passion for the truth compelled him to call them back to the freedom of salvation by grace alone through faith alone. Third sentence. In doing so, he argued that not only is the sinner saved by grace, but that same saved sinner, well, what I wrote here was, but the saved sinner also lives by grace. Um, if, if I could have one little takeaway line from all of this, it would be this. Grace is the way to life, in the way of life. Hear me. Grace is the way to life. Right? I'm talking salvation. I'm talking eternal life. Right? It's God's grace. That's the only way you're going to get there. Grace is the way to life. But it doesn't stop there. That's not the end. Right? It is also the way, see from that point, right, once you have found that life, right, you, you put your faith in Jesus Christ, that makes you a Christian, so it is the way of life for a Christian. The, the simple definition of grace that I always give is grace is unmerited or undeserved favor. I try to explain it this way, and you've heard me say this lots of different times, that grace is getting what we do not deserve. Uh, I still hold to that. that that's an oversimplified uh, definition, but that'll suffice, right? And so it is getting what we do not deserve, right? So that means it's unmerited. It's undeserved. It is, uh, you know, we didn't deserve it. Legalism is the opposite of grace, right? So if grace is getting what we do not deserve, right? If grace is God's unmerited or undeserved favor, then legalism is trying to do something in order to earn God's favor, right? So in other words, if grace is getting what you do not deserve, then legalism is getting what you think you deserve. Hmm. We ever fa fallen into that before? Yeah, them kind of thoughts ever come through your mind of what you think you deserve? 
right? Maybe it's just, you know, from work or things that you've done or, uh, you know, probably work is not a good example. Uh, Probably doing something nice for somebody or helping somebody out and you think that you deserve their gratitude, right? If we're not careful, now not if we're not careful, if we'd be honest, that same mentality slips into our relationship with God. We do these different things, spiritual things, religious things. And we think because we've done those things, we deserve God's favor. Do you think that you deserve God's favor because you made the effort to come out here this morning? Just something to think about. If we're not careful, we can all slip into legalism. That's what's happening here to the Galatians. Listen, the point I'm going to try to make this morning is the gospel frees us, right? It it frees us from all of this. It frees us from trying to earn God's favor. It frees us from trying to do things to keep God's favor, right? And, and we do that through rule keeping. We'll make up these little rules, right? Like if we if we do this, if we read so much scripture, if we do this many good things, if, you know, you just go on down the list, right? Things that we should want to do and desire to do because of our love for God, right? And that that's good. That's holy. That's great. That's righteousness. But whenever we, whenever our heart, our mentality, our thinking about it goes to the fact that it starts to slip into if we do these things and we religiously do these things then we deserve God's favor and that's when all of a sudden it goes from something from joy something that you enjoy something that you love to do and want to do it goes from that to a burden gospel frees us from all that and let me just say this it also the true gospel keeps us from running too far the other direction also what is the other direction the other extreme Paul deals with it in Romans chapter 6 it's willfully sinning in the name of freedom So listen to me. We are saved by grace. And because we are saved by grace, we've been freed. Made free. Set free. Delivered. But not freed to do Whatever our heart's content is, as we like to have that saying, right? Not free to do whatever we want, but free to do what God wants. But the the thing to all that is, is our relationship, our walk, ought to be so close with God that the desires of His heart is the desires of our heart. That is the only way and that is the only time and that is what God intended right when the scriptures where he talks about giving us desires of our heart. 
It's only when we're so lined up with him and our will is so lined up with his will, right? And our walk is so close with his that we are one with him and the desires of his heart is the desires of our heart. That's when you can ask what you will and it'll be given. The book of Galatians. It is a book or a letter or an epistle, whatever word you want to use there, that was specifically written in order to counter legalism. What had happened was, is now keep in mind, okay, the book of Galatians is written to the brethren in Galatia. Galatia is not a town. Right? We see that in a lot of the other books, right? Corinthians. Corinth is a town. So it's written to a specific church in that specific town. Galatia is not a town. Galatia is an area, a province, a region in the Roman Empire, okay? So, uh, in other words, this letter, this epistle, uh, we call the book that is written to the brethren, to the Christians in Galatia, would be like a, a letter written to the Missourians. Do you see what I'm saying? A lot of towns, lots of groups of people. In this case, multiple churches in Galatia. If you study in the book of Acts and, and you see there that there's, Paul has what I would call three missionary trips or some people call, uh, you could also say four journeys because the fourth journey is when he's under arrest and he's taken to Rome. But anyways, in that first trip, right, the one where the, where the church at Antioch and Syria lay hands on him and Barnabas and send them out, well, part of that you will see they go through and they establish churches in several towns in Galatia. Paul refers back to it a lot, talks about it a lot at different times. And his idea, his thought, his, his way of thinking, his theology, whatever you want to say it is, he would go to these towns. Now, Glacia, I should have said this a while ago, that is in, in, in the southern part of modern Turkey today, okay? Uh, Asia Minor, however you want to refer to that. And so anyways, as he went through and he started these churches, he looked at it as putting a foundation. He was laying a sure foundation, the foundation laid by the apostles, as referred to in the scripture and other places, right? That foundation with the chief cornerstone being Christ, right? And that is the point that they're building off of, right? And, and they're building from, and he starts that, and he sets, right, different ones that have become believers, that have believed because he refers to them as his children in the faith. They believe because of the gospel that he had preached to them. They had experienced the power of the gospel. They had been freed from the bondages of sin. Lives had been completely changed. And he sets the churches in order, right? So there's going to be ministers and deacons and, you know, elders and that kind of stuff. You know, he gets things in order. And then he moves on and starts the next one and moves on the next one, so on and so forth. He actually come back through, visits them again. But then after he's back, sometime later, a couple years probably, he gets word that on that good foundation he had started... Some nincompoops. Well, that might not be the exact word the Bible uses. Comes along and builds a wall about like me and Scott did a few weeks ago. In case you missed that, she was leaning pretty bad. It's fixed now, though. 
That was the point of Paul's letter, is to fix that leaning wall. What they done, okay, the, the term that, that, like, if you've got a commentary in your Bible that it's probably going to use is Judaizer. I don't really know what to call these people. I studied this quite a bit, and I, I don't know. Um, I am hesitant to call them Christians, but I, I don't know what to do. What they were, what this, this group of people were, is they were they're Jews, okay? By birth, by blood, by religion, they were Jews. They have accepted Christ. And that's where I get hung up because a Jew that accepts Christ is a Christian. But I don't know that they really accepted Christ. It's like they recognized Christ as the Messiah, but they didn't submit to him. They didn't surrender to him. Their lives weren't transformed by him. They weren't living under grace. They're still living under the law. Anyways, what these nincompoops do is it's like they're chasing right behind Paul and Barnabas. And so Paul and Barnabas start this good foundation. And think about this for a minute. You build this, you lay this foundation, and the thing is perfect, right? And you go all laid out exactly like you want, and then something happens that calls you away for a little bit, and you come back, and your idiot neighbor has built a, a monstrosity that's about to fall down, leaning ever which way on top of it, made a whole mess out of it. Kind of, okay? You get the picture? He gets word that these Judaizers have come along and they are causing confusion, dissension, all kinds of problems in these churches because they're coming along they're telling them, wait a minute, wait a minute. First thing they're doing is I used to keep a Bible laying up here. I should still. Uh, the first thing that they do is they come along and they... Yeah, thank you, Diana. They come along and they start bad-mouthing Paul. That's why Paul says in verse 1, Paul, an apostle, not of men, neither by men, but by Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead. Paul is making the point. I'm not called of men. God called me. I was not given the gospel by, from men. I didn't receive the gospel secondhand. I received it by direct revelation from Jesus Christ himself. Paul is always having to justify, it seems like, his position as apostle, apostle to the Gentiles. What these generators were doing was they were coming along, thank you, Diana, and they were coming along and they were saying, Paul... He really didn't run with Jesus, okay? He, he actually fought against the church. Paul got saved later on. Paul got his gospel, his word, secondhand. And Paul means, well, but he's a little goofy. And he's kind of got a chip on his shoulder. And he's kind of got things all messed up. Paul kind of got you started right. But here's the deal. If you're really going to be saved, if you're really going to go to heaven, you got to become a Jew first. You got to do it the way that we did it. You got to do it the way that I did it, is what they're saying. You got to become a Jew first. Your men has got to be sacrificed, or not sacrificed, oh my goodness, circumcised. They probably would rather be, I don't know, but anyways, your men has got to be circumcised. 
right? You, you got to go through the, the rituals that, you know, they make proselytes go through to become a Jew. And then after you become a Jew, then you can go on and accept Christ and be a Christian. And then you're full faith. You got to come in the same way that we do. And you got to keep the, the food laws and, and you got to keep all the laws. I think in their head they were thinking that maybe Paul was totally disregarding the Old Testament. They, they, I think they were seeing it that way instead of realizing that the, that the gospel and that Christ and what Paul was teaching was a fulfillment of the Old Testament, not a superseding of it. And so anyways, that's the nonsense of their teaching. And they had them people really messed up. And you can read in this letter, get the tone and language from Paul. Paul is not nice here. Paul is not, hey, how y'all doing? I hear great things about you. He is, I didn't read far enough, but the next verse after I read, he's laying into them. He calls them, I think it's in chapter 2 or chapter 3, oh, foolish Galatians. You don't hear him use that kind of strong language, I don't think, in any of the other letters that he has written. So that's the situation. That's why Paul is upset. That's what Paul is dealing with. That's what he is fighting or combating against, right, that is happening there. That is what is laying the groundwork here. Uh, that's why you see him constantly is like having to defend his apostleship. And we get to verse 3 grace grace be to you and peace from God the Father and from our Lord Jesus Christ grace and peace listen to me there's a reason why he is setting things up like this in, in the very first verse he's making sure it's clear that God raised Jesus from the dead. In verse 3, he is using these terms grace and peace. Look, he's wanting to make it clear that salvation comes purely by grace and results in peace with God. That's the, you could say that's the cause and the effect of the gospel. Summed up in just two words. Grace and peace. When Paul uses the terms, or, or let me say it this way, when he uses the term grace, in the very opening of this letter, he is not just being polite. He's reminding these Christians that they've experienced salvation through the grace of God. That Christ has made available to them. Right? I'm going to, i tell you what, I, I want to end with this point and um, I'm going to finish tonight. We'll talk about grace and peace tonight. Here's the point that I want to end with. These Judaizers nincompoops, goofy. Maybe they were just silly and misdirected and meant well. And then again, maybe they were the instruments of Satan. They were leading people astray, weren't they? 
if you, Christ plus anything makes the gospel of not, or the grace of God of none effect, doesn't it? You ever heard anybody teach that you're not truly saved until after you've been baptized in water? Ever heard that before? What's the difference between that and you're not truly saved until you've been circumcised and become a Jew first and then accept Christ? Is there a difference? I don't think so. I think it's the same type of legalism. I think it's the same nincompoops. In spirit. Do you know what the real error, the fundamental error? I'm going to give these Judaizers the benefit of the doubt. Just like I'm going to give the same men can poops I was picking on just a minute ago in our own community, in our own time. Okay? I'm going to say they're not intentionally doing the work of Satan. I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt and say that they are misguided and they missed the point. You know what the point that they missed was? They were missing the power of the transforming effect that Christ had on them and had on their lives. They're missing it. The the same group in our day actually says, if you want to know who I'm talking about, you ask me afterwards, I'll tell you. Um, They've actually written books that says the Holy Spirit no longer indwells Christians. They're missing. Right? Right? I mean, these Judaizers, if they got what it was that God had already done and the way these Gentiles, these these people who had been pagans and who had worshipped idols and had never knew anything else the way that God had transformed their lives by the work of the Holy Spirit whenever they put their faith in Christ and Christ alone and they had been set free from the bondages of sin and been made free in Christ if they had really got that and grasp that, they wouldn't be coming along and saying, you need to add this to it or you ain't really got it. Same groups today say, you got to add this to it, to your faith in Christ. If you don't add this to it, you ain't really got it. When you add, you can make this whatever you want. When you add this to it, and it can be a holy righteous act. It can be the most great thing. But when you add it to it, our life in Christ, our service for Christ, our relationship with Christ goes from being something that we that brings true joy and happiness and something that we enjoy and something that we long to walk closer with him and to learn more about him, right? And, and, and I mean, you just, uh, to spend more time with him, it goes from joy to a burden, from something you want to do to a checklist. Where are you at this morning? Where are you at? Still experiencing the joy of the Lord? 
or if you've become like some of these other folks and you've slipped into this and checklist Christian. Would you stand to your feet? Jennifer begins to play a song of invitation. You want to hear about grace and peace? I got a lot. Uh, the Lord's given me a lot to say about it. And I, I'll say it tonight. Come back tonight. Alright? But right now, if this is you, if the joy of the Lord, that joy that you first experienced, has somehow slipped away, that's become a burden, I'm begging you, would you come this morning? God is speaking to you through His Word and through the Holy Spirit this morning. Today is your day. Would you come? Maybe, maybe you're out there and you, you, you're lost. You know that you're lost. Maybe you've not even really heard or understood or comprehended most of what I've said today. That's okay. Hear me now. Christ died for you to make you free from the bondage of sin to make you free all you've got to do is accept it would you come this morning if you've got a burden somebody's on your heart whatever it is would you come please don't hold back would you come whatever the